Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the most fraudulent F1 podcast with Dan, a.k.a. Engine Mode 11. I secretly moonlight as hell at Marco at race weekends. And Blake, a.k.a. Break. Echo chambers of farts and idiots on Twitter after races. It's the Engine Breaking F1 podcast. Yeah. Episode 33, for all you Alonzo stands out there, we believe in the 33. Uh, not sure if it's going to happen this year, though, sadly, uh, but we'll get It'll, into that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. Welcome to the Engine Breaking Podcast, the most fraudulent Formula 1 podcast on the internet. My name's Blake, a.k.a. Break, former F1 performance engineer, now full-time Formula 1 content creator analyst and uh, occasional podcasting shit poster. Who are you? Uh, I'm Dan, aka Engine Mode 11. I spent six years at Rebel Racing as a senior systems engineer. And uh, now I've just got no clue what I'm doing with my life. So, hey, why not do what everyone else is doing and start a podcast, right? Yeah. I, and honestly, we, 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 we talk it down a little bit. Uh, the reviews are actually really kind. And I'm surprised because, like, we're basically the idea behind this podcast was like, hey, man, you like talking about Formula One? You're like, yeah, I guess so. I was like, yeah, me too. It's like, We've been around a bit. Okay, why don't we do a podcast? We did a podcast. And uh, despite all of the shithousery and the, the gags, we uh, we do like to add a little bit of insight to the world of Formula One and get a little bit of that behind-the-scenes flavor that everybody loves. And you guys, we don't really get anywhere else on the internet. So instead of interviewing team bosses, you can just ask us what we think they might say, and we'll totally be not wrong. Yeah, I mean, Ish. where else? In the myriad of F1 podcasts that litter the universe. Which, how many of them out there have first-hand experience of the Red Bull catering sandwiches? They're delicious. That's it's it. amazing. The, the, I'm, the, the old canteen, though, from like 2015 wouldn't survive today. That place was tiny. But, um, let's. If so, you're sitting in a small little office now listening to this podcast, that's twice the size of what the old canteen used to be. It was, it was not good. 
it was probably like maybe six or seven of my offices, which are not very small. I can almost reach back and touch that wall behind me if you're on video. But anyway, speaking of the uh, the authority of this podcast, we just posted a clip on the, the tweeters. We, we predicted uh, what we're just about to talk about, but we'll get into that prediction. It's, it's kind of like this Nostradamus thing where we, we, we're usually pretty good. Are we good? I'm not really good at like celebrating wins. So you said we predicted it. You predicted it. I, I was a little bit like, mm, no, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't believe. So it was, it's very kind of you to wrap that into the entire podcast prediction. But let's be real here. You predicted it. I shot it down. You said that you, you basically did the uh, ain't no way. Yeah. Ain't no said, way. No, 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 no. Not again. We're not doing this again. Uh, but anyway, so a uh, little bit about the last couple of weeks, what we've been up to. Uh, Dan and I ended up out at the Williams pop-up that was happening all through last week. Uh, we played some iRacing. We did some F1 manager. I absolutely murdered us. And then I had to redeem myself later, but we'll get into that. And I uh, just had a good time. They had some of the, the, the show car, which was cool. They had the gaming area and all sorts of other stuff. And it was really cool. Uh, drivers were out there. We got to meet some of the, uh, the Williams F1 Academy drivers. Logan was out there. Alex was out there the next day. So if you guys went out there and had a good time, uh, maybe they'll do something like that again soon. And uh, we can all come hang out there and meet up and have a little party and steal uh, all the seat time on the racing sims and take each other out. Yeah, the best part as well is we got a photo of us standing with the 2012 Pasta Maldonado Spanish Grand Prix trophy. Yeah. That was the thing of legends. Yeah, we we went to the church of Maldonado. I I had a prayer. I had yep. a prayer, and I said, "Please let something good happen." And it did happen. We also I had a good time. A Nicholas Latifi signed end plate as well. I thought, well, yeah, pick up Latifi. Thank you for my twenty twenty one bonus. Yeah, it looked like it looked like a piece of crash damage bits. They're like, this is this is somewhat noteworthy. Yeah, sign it, slap it on the plinth, done. Yeah, done. Uh, but um, no, it was a good day out. And it was a good day out. Thank you. I hope they do something. Because, to be, let's be honest, look, I'll be honest with you, we're all friends here. I just tagged along with Blake and just followed him in because he was there to do work. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to follow him and just go for a jolly. But it was an open event anyway, so it didn't really matter. And you um, you got to hang out. Um, you did some video recording. And we had a couple chats with a couple of really nice people at Williams. Um, I yes. really had a good time. So maybe maybe something else in that vein in the future, but we can't talk about that now. But... No, not yet. Speaking contracts of have to be signed first. <laughs> Nobody's signing any contracts. I, I don't do contracts, just NDAs and, uh, yeah. and cease and desist. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all, all I we sign. sign, yeah. <laughs> but um, during the Silverstone Grand Prix, I thought it would be a perfect time to go to France. I went to um, TwitchCon for the first time ever. Um, and I was invited by our, our Twitch sports guru and uh, Twitch legend in the background josh bloom was like hey do you want to be on a panel uh there was ash vandalay there was tom there was idru there was alexander caldy and we talked about the future of motorsport and streaming and digital media and it was super fun and if anybody's interested uh message me and i'll send you a link to the timestamp of that chat it was about an hour-long panel um it was in the biggest room in twitchcon and like honestly there was enough space in there for a couple hundred people and i was really honestly pleasantly surprised that 50 people showed up and it was interesting because as we asked them to show raise of hands most of them were quite old school fans so they're old school fans they were community members or other streamers from twitch and they they wanted to come and see what we had to say and it was really interesting because everybody had a very different background with motorsport 
and uh I was just like in the if you saw Ash Vandelay's tweet about the swear jar of like talking about sports cars, I was like, yes, please keep going. I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, it was an interesting chat. I listened in. And thank uh, you for the uh thank you for the love and the support in the chat. We thank you to Josh for bigging up the podcast at the intro as well. I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. get in. Go on, go on, Josh. Josh is Josh is a super nice dude, and I've learned quite a bit from him. So we appreciate you, homie. Um Definitely, I will link that on the Discord um, and put it in the engine braking and the brake Discord. But also, Listen, uh, there's something much more important that's happened. Uh, like, could you please tell us what milestone have you achieved? Dramatic pause. Um, yesterday afternoon, we crossed 100,000 100, subscribers on Break F1 on YouTube. Absolutely wild. <laughs> One year, three months after my first long form video, we've done it over 14 million views on the channel, including short form and oh, it's, it's wild. But um, silver plaque is coming soon, but I just want to say thank you guys. Thank you, Dan, for all the love. And uh, God, you, were the first, you were the first one. You were the first one. Oh yeah, you're like, shit, I haven't subscribed yet. <laughs> you were the first one to share that this morning that I saw. Um, I really appreciate that, man. Thank you. Not Thank that you I'm guys. stalking you early in the morning or anything. I think no, right, mate. Let's see if them subscribers is lying. But yeah, I um, tell, tell you what as well. Sort of just completely changing tax. The reason I was up so early this morning is because foolishly I went to sleep last night. Well, I took my son to bed, and he was—he's not very well, so he's a bit fussy. So I was like, "All right, I'll lay him down in the big bed next to me, and when he's settled down, I'll pick him up and I'll put him back in his bed." That was about six o'clock. That didn't fucking happen. I just fell asleep with him. And my wife decided to not wake me up either. So I woke up about midnight after six hours sleep and I was just fucking wired. So I spent from 12 p.m. to like 5 a.m. fucking playing Skyrim. So, yeah, <laughs> perfect 35-year-old dad behavior. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's par for the course. That's par for the course. Um, dude, I also forgot I've got a call after we record this. So we have... We have to make this podcast one hour and nine minutes long. So 60 minutes from now, oh, we can do it. And, and we can make it, it up already because we're already at what, yeah. nine minutes and all we've done is now we're good. shit. Now we got 60 minutes left, but let's, let's get on to the news. And I feel like this is that part of season in Formula One where like you know, everybody's bored. The racing's like really predictable. No teams have gotten faster. No teams have gotten slower. There's been no signings, no firings. There's no crazy. Oh, wait. Welcome to silly season, motherfuckers. <laughs> it's here. Only after 10 races as well, we got silly season. Uh, oh, talk right. to me. So what do we got? The big news, if you've been living under a rock, and that's fine, look. So Nick DeVries has been booted out of Alpha Towery, and Danny Rick is back in the seat for the rest of the season. So, yeah, um, you sort of said you could see this happening. I did not think I could see it happening, and I was surprised. I've been around the helmet chaos, man. I've been close to the firing lines, man. I've seen, I've seen men fall and men rise. <laughs> and I, I, I was like, this is totally normal. This is totally normal. I've seen it. I can see it. Yeah, well, I made, but, a, uh, I made a mistake of thinking, oh, they wouldn't do that again, would they? Oh, totally. But yeah, that's, that's, that's all right. So I like, I like how it's always a close family friend that leaks the information. I'm like, all right, so if you're a journalist and a close family friend, you're like, I'm going to burn this friendship just to leak this news early uh, because my job is more 
like that means like mm. they know them or something. That's not doesn't mean they're friends. So but. the the hot rumor is that this wasn't meant to be announced until next week. Um, but DeFries was understandably quite upset, so he got his family to leak it to the Dutch media. That is the rumor I'm hearing as why it sort of was very sudden. Um, so we got a first report in like Dutch media saying he's done. Um, and Danny Rick's back in the car. Uh, and then sort of an hour or two later, Alpha Tauri announced that Danny Rick's back on loan from Red Bull Racing for the remainder of the F1 season, starting from Hungary. Uh, I, so I was on Twitter, and the first announcement of this on Twitter was Red Bull Racing tweeting a photo of Danny Rick smiling, saying, when you find out you've got a race seat. And I was just like, okay, that's one way to announce it. Like before <laughs> Alpha Tauri tweeted it or anything, it was just like, oh, okay, I guess that's official then. He, I mean, he was in the car at the tire test at Silverstone when it got announced. Yeah. And don't get me started on this because... <sighs> oh, Danny Ricks at a time that would put him on the front row on during Sunday's <laughs> race. That doesn't mean fucking a fucking thing. <laughs> I love that. Like, to be fair, Chris Medlin did tweet that, and he did have a, a qualifier to say for what it's worth, which means he knows it's not worth anything. But there's some other people quoting. It's like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, if Daniel Rick was driving these completely different tires on a completely different track condition, the track didn't just definitely start wet, and these are not different tire spec and no warmers and different. It's like, please, like, stop! Don't, don't do this. We, we can't, we can't deal with this. And like somebody was saying, like, yeah, the times would have been for like P8 or something. I'm like, okay, front row P8. So doesn't pretty much it matters. It's a different yeah. day, different atmospheric conditions, different test tires, a Pirelli set run plan, different spec of car for fuck's sake. Yeah, it's wild. But 20, 95% of the people in the Twitch chat right now are happy that Danny Rick is back. So let's, t let's talk about this quickly. Um, I think we've got the statements from Tor also. We've got the statements from Christian. Um, Christian even alluded that his times were competitive, which is, you know, you have to say that. But you were going to say, yeah, his times were absolutely fucking dog shit, but uh, mate, have a, have a go. It could, what's, what could be worse, right? Mm. Um, but he, we, you, you touched on this on Twitter yesterday, the, the wording in Christian's announcements, announcement. It was a very impressive drive, and we're excited to see that the rest of the season brings for Daniel on loan at Scuderia. Alpha Tauri. The online yeah. thing is very interesting language, but uh, I think you nailed that on the head. Yeah, so on the on loan part, a lot of people were like, oh, what does this mean? So Red Bull is a bit fucking weird in the way it does things, and I don't think any other team does this. All the drivers are hired directly by Red Bull, the parent company, and then they are leased back to the teams, which is why previously they've been able to sort of pick one up and just swap them teams around or whatever without it being some big legal kerfuffle. It's just because it's, like a, it's a loan agreement or whatever. So, but I will say it is odd that they mentioned on loan and they haven't done that in the past. So I don't know, but it's just the way Red Bull do things. The drivers. It's very uh, deliberate language. It's not, you don't use the word on loan on accident. Yeah. So I, I can't, I can't read into it any more than you can here, but at the same time, it is interesting. So let's talk about it. Let's right. go. All right, we've talked about comparing lap times from the test to race. Please don't do that, and don't use that as anything objective or meaningful ever. Uh, and also, please do not use, he was quick in the simulator, to say that he's good. Now, if somebody's dog shit slow in the simulator, they can still be quick in real life. 
No, it doesn't happen that often, but I have seen people that just do not drive the sim very particularly well, and they go drive a real race car, and they're fucking legendary. So it go, all goes to say that you just can't really use that tool for that thing, and knowing what you can and can't use it for is enough. Now, how do you feel about it? And it your, your short answer, how do you feel about them doing this? Harsh. It is harsh. Harsh. Um, and. I say your quick answer, harsh, but then I peel back the layers to this, and the more I think about it and look into it, there's two things. Uh, one, I don't think this has got anything to do with Nick DeVries. I think it was just convenient to kick him out. I think this is more to do with Checo. So they okay. can turn around and say, hey, Checo, look, we got Danny Rick in a seat for the rest of the season. Better sort yourself out, because who knows what <laughs> might happen next year. <laughs> It'd be a shame if we swap drivers that yeah, are on exactly. loan. And another thing I was thinking of as well is why are they even, why did they even bring Nick in in the first place? I, d I just don't get it. If, if you're only going to have him for 10 races, what the hell was the point of him having him in the beginning? It just seemed like an emergency. Oh shit. Gasly's going to help him. We need someone. Uh, fuck. Uh, Nick, you'll do fuck. I get that. But at the same time, people are like, Oh, it's super harsh, blah, blah, blah. And I get it. It is harsh. I agree with you on that. But at the same time, it showed that they're Liam Lawson has done a spectacular job in the in the junior formula. He's been he's been epic. He's over in Japan in Super Formula, um, kicking names and taking some ass right now. He's doing an outstanding job in that series, which is a specialist series in a car which is performance level between F two and IndyCar and Formula One. It is a fast car, a specialist series, specialist tracks, and he's showing up and performing, which is a good indication of outright pace adaptability right yeah but the fact that they hadn't promoted him to alpha tari means they weren't ready for him as in now what as in at this point what yeah happened? at this point and at last year when they picked devries out of seemingly out of outside of the the you know the red bull driver yeah. allocation so i think putting him in super formula for a season is a smart decision i'm i'm kind of i rate that decision so like Yes, this does seem chaos, and we're trying to attribute it to, to malice or harshness or whatever else, but they've been quite calculated with Lawson, and I think that they don't want to put pressure on him too early. Yeah, which is why... Because they've seen what it does. To, they've seen, you, you, we've seen well, this a yeah. number of times. Yeah, and they obviously haven't learned, because they only gave Nick 10 races. Um, he wasn't... Look, Nick wasn't great. I, I know that. We all know that. Um, but... I don't. I just don't know really. What what is the success criteria for Nick in that car? I mean, the car's dog shit. Yeah. Uh, Yuki's only got two points. Unless no no disrespect to Yuki, I love Yuki, but those two points are pretty much scored because everyone else in front of him fucking retired in Australia. Um, I don't know. I just I I would have just I don't know. This is why I'm sat I, here doing a podcast and obviously not running a team. <laughs> Like, who wants that kind of aggro? It's just politics and, like, shooting from the hip often. I think, here's the thing. Ten races, is that enough for a rookie driver? There's two, two avenues to go down with that, right? Nick is a rookie, sort of. He's a Formula 1 rookie. He did very yeah, well in his attempt. He did very like well in his shots last year. But, like, he's, he's a, a very experienced driver with a... That was outside my house. Who's been uh, he's outside very, your house? Somebody's to tooting. Experienced driver in a lot of different formats. He's done well, but like for example, in F two, he only had to beat Latifi. That's not a particularly strong category. Whoa, Apparently, he's steady. I'm not having any fucking Latifi slander. Right. 
listen uh he's been decent in other series that he's driven um formerly is pure chaos I'm, I'm into it wasn't particularly consistent in that from what i understand but i just don't here's the thing and i think this is the crux of the problem i think unfortunately people don't put enough respect on how well yuki's doing so when they see yuki outperforming nick they say nick must be terrible mm. so here's what here's we extrapolate to this to go back to your point if dan and this is this is this is this is where it gets interesting if ricardo does not destroy sunoda sunoda will end both daniel ricardo's career and devries career right so this is a good point and one i wanted to raise with you again we're just two blokes doing the podcast what the fuck do we know but what do we class as the success criteria for danny rick in this alpha towering does he have to score points or does he just have to not be at the back? He, I don't know. He he has to outperform Sunoda at a major outperform in race and outperform and qualify Sunoda in a majority of the races. But the problem is you still have the question marks over Daniel. And you in people I don't think put the correct amount of respect on Sunoda. And I don't know. I don't know this. This is this is my gut feeling. But I think Sunoda's become quite decent. Um, but he has to he has to definitively outclass Sunoda in the next 10 races. Otherwise, yeah, that's it. Okay, devil's advocate. We get Danny Rick in the car. Takes mm-hmm. a few races to get up to speed, right? Sure. I think everyone's going to give him that. End of the season, he hasn't outperformed Yuki, and he sits below him in the table. But what do you do now? You've, you're stuck with Danny Rick in the car. Do you take him back out the car? For Lawson? This is why all of this just stinks mm. to me. Like this is this isn't a Nick problem. This is a Checo problem. Yeah, it is. But I think he has to outperform. I think by the end of the season, he has to be on a clear trajectory to outperforming Sunoda definitively. Not maybe. Not uh, mix or match. Then then you put the pressure on Checo, and if Checo's still in a slump at the end of the season, he gets the boot. Danny Rick goes back in. Then you've got Lawson and Sunoda at whatever AlphaTauri is called next year. No, I mean that seems like that seems like it's common. That seems like it makes sense. Listen, I've spoken to Marco, right? I'm going to exclusively reveal the plan. Yuki and Max at Red Bull next year. I'm all That's about. I'm um, fuck it. I'm all about Yuki. I'm hundred percent invested. Get the little angry sweary man in that car. Oh, here's the other problem. Max is an extremely difficult measuring stick to go up against, and there's not so many people in the paddock right now that could go up against him and stand a chance. There's a handful of people tops. Yeah. The problem with Max Verstappen is that his meteoric rise and entry into F1 has completely fucked any other rookie that's coming into the sport ever again because everyone's like... Why are you not as good as Max was when he first started? It's like, well, Max is definitely not the average rookie driver when he comes in. You know, yep. I think everyone's now out there like, oh, who's the next Max Verstappen? Who's the next Max Verstappen? It's like, oh, yeah, I don't know if you're going to find the next Max Verstappen that easily. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But anyway, I think there's a lot of variables that will start to unfold themselves over the next months. Um, we've got a couple races, then a break reset recharge and go again and uh mm. yeah i'm happy for danny you know um i hope he gets his mojo back and he does well 
Um, but yeah, this whole thing is just like wild to me. Yeah. It's not, it's not surprising to me. It's not surprising uh, at all. It's surprising to me in how early in the season it was done. Ten races in. I thought we were at least going to get to the summer break. I think you're right, though. This, I think this is more of a, a Checo thing than a DeVries thing. Mm. And, like, honestly, I, I, it, just, like, it doesn't really matter at this point with Alpha Tauri because they've only scored two points. They're, not, they're unlikely to score that many more and, except for under attrition. So what's the point? The point is to sort out Red Bull's driver lineup. That is the whole point of that team right now. And it's okay for it to be that point because the car is not good. Yeah, it's to, it's to get Danny Rick up to speed. Yeah, it is. You, you, you can use it. season and then like make your say, assessment. Yeah, and then say, oh, sorry, Checo, you're out. Yeah. Checo's mean, on a two-year deal, right? So he's this year and next year. But We we all know there's no such thing as a multi-year deal. Yeah, I think this is like <laughs> the, the, the read between the lines. It's a this year and an option for next year is usually what it actually is if you read the contract. Yeah. There are typically performance clauses in contracts that go both ways. For one for the teams, one to cover the team's ass, and one to cover the driver's ass. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, with Helmut Marco, you're lucky to even get a multi-race deal, let alone a fucking multi-season deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fire it, will. But uh, let's let's move on to Silverstone. I think we, we might end up kind of jumping through some of this because I missed Friday in Silverstone. I just spent a little bit of time analyzing qualifying. Um, and then I spent a lot of time analyzing the race. So I think we can focus on that because there's some actually really interesting stuff in that. And then we'll get into uh, Fraud Watch and Engine Mode Good Boy and our random fandom. Mine's yeah. really short. Yeah. Well, you had Will- so just a heads up. Random fandom is where we uh, like dig into a team. Dan's got Williams this week, and I've got Alpha Tower. And you can assume that I've got nothing but great glowing reviews for Alpha Tower after this weekend. Oh yeah, percent. Oh my god! But as we so, as we get into Silverstone, uh, someone asked in the chat if AlphaTauri have bought any upgrades. Well, that beautifully mm. leads us on to this point. Loads chat, of teams bought. You guys are beautiful, yeah, well L- ladies and gentlemen. And uh, if people want to watch live, Blake, where can they do it? Uh, if you want to watch the stream live, it's currently on twitchtv aka break But I think in the near future, maybe after the break or shortly before, I think we might start doing the whole stream. Uh, live over on YouTube. I'm kind of, I think we're still chatting about that. And I think it just makes more sense that we have it in its home place rather than on our stream or we'll both stream it or something. I don't know. I don't know what you, I want, know. To, I don't know what you want to chat to me about it for, mate. You're the boss. You, you do all the stream inside of it. I just do all the beautiful audio recording so I can get your beautiful Barry White voice. Mm. Ooh. Uh, oh my anyway, God. sorry. Completely off topic. Um, yeah, upgrades. Uh, AlphaTauri did bring quite a significant upgrade to Silverstone. Uh, new floor, uh, new diffuser, new engine cover, suspension, rear wing, beam wing. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them because pretty much all the teams bought a myriad of updates. I think the only people that didn't were Red Bull. No, they must have because Checo is running an um, uh, aero, what do you call it, fence on FP1. So they yeah. must have. It's just not on my list. Okay. Anyway, big, loads big of teams bought stuff. Yeah. It's because- Alpha Tauri... Alpha Tower and Alpha Romeo brought basically whole new packages. It's easier to list what they didn't upgrade. Um, and then a lot of people just brought new new front wings, honestly. A lot of teams bringing new front wings at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Which Sorry, is, uh, I'm just in the middle of taking a sip of my uh, beautiful look, look. diet cola. Mm. Disgusting. Um, 
disgusting. Yes, yeah, because it's Silverstone and it's the home race for a lot of the teams. So it's literally just chuck a load of shit in the back of a transit van and deliver it to the circuit. I- I'm going to stop you right there. Silver, people always talk about Silverstone being the home race and it's, oh, we'll just bring this out. Silverstone every year is an absolute clusterfuck of a race because people are like, oh yeah, no, we'll just, we'll just like bring that out like Thursday night. And then you're sitting there waiting Thursday night to fire up because some dickhead was like, oh yeah, I forgot this piece for this thing. So we can't build the car now. It's like, I hate you. Mm. I literally hope you stub your toe because you have you're to real... drive 90 minutes to Milton Keynes to the factory to pick up one fucking cable that some donut forgot to bring. Yeah. You've never done that, have you? No, listen, my I ran a tight ship, right? Okay. Silverstone went perfectly. It's all the other fucking races. It was a drama. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm just gonna like unleash Barry in whoever's house that was and let him just run around and do a shit NATO. Yep. Um so oh. yeah, everyone bought uh, upgrades. Uh the Friday FP practice oh dogs are very excited about FP. Um, not not a great deal happened. I mean, the only thing to talk about from Fridays, uh, where the fucking hell did the Williams Pikes come from? I mean, they've been they they've been starting to look super quick. Was it just like, and I I'm out of the loop because I was in France on Friday, um, and I didn't I did deliberately catch up on qualifying in the race, but free practice. I was just like, you know what, fuck it. I wasn't too excited about it, but they've been interesting lately the williams and it's you know simple as that car looks and as much as like you know we've got a long way to go and our tools are way out of date they're doing a very reasonable job especially considering you've got teams like that i think are probably better off like Haas, alpha tauri um and alfa romeo that are literally we're struggling to understand what they're doing honestly yeah williams on the friday took this rare accolade so every now and again you'll get a free practice or a Friday or a race or whatever where a team at midfield or lower just has pace and they just look quick. And you look at the data and you're just like, I don't understand where this has come from. Yeah. And this was one of them. I said on Friday, um, I think on Twitter or something, I said, Williams is quick and I can't tell you why or where. It just is quick. Um, They reckon it was down to uh, not being as affected by the gusty winds at Silverstone because Silverstone's quite an open, flat piece of land, isn't it? So you do get quite a, a lot of wind shear. Super gusty, and like lots of those really interesting, like uh, turn seven, turn six into seven. Like turn seven is this low speed corner, and you go through 180 degrees of rotation. So if there's wind on the track, you will have a headwind, crosswind, and tailwind at some point in that corner. It's it's everything, and it's always a super fuck. Yeah, so the general consensus is that they were least affected by the wind and they just, um, the classic Williams, quick in a straight line. If you don't have any downforce, you can't lose any downforce due to crosswind. (laughs) And and crosswind is, and here's a really interesting thing about uh, crosswind is most wind tunnels only go up to six, seven, eight degrees of yaw which is interesting because that's yaw. And then to get really technical, wind tunnels do not have curvature, which is a huge problem for correlation and understanding. And this is where discrepancies between the tools and reality come out is if you think about a car going through a corner, just think about the car and look from above, right? And you follow this car from above, the car goes through a corner. It is not only you will have the wind hitting the car at some angle, but the car is also spinning like a top through the wind as well. 
So you have angles of incidence of wind on the front of the car and the rear of the car are always different. So you have yaw and curvature, which wind tunnels are not particularly good at modeling extreme yaws and wind tunnels in your tools struggle to model curvature. So that's why stuff like that in those corners and those extreme conditions, people are like, we don't understand why our cars shit here. It's like, yeah, because you can't model it. You can only observe what happens in reality. Mm. So there's, there's your only tech tip for the day. I'm done. Wow. See you guys later. Bye. Only took us 30 minutes to get there, but well done. Well done. We Regular it. listeners, that would be a shock to you as well as it is to me. Uh, new people, thank you for lasting this long. Um, Oh dear. Yeah. And you can't rotate the model or anything in the wind tunnel because it's on a rolling road. You can't spin it. You, you would need to basically have a flatbed in a, like a sky hook that moves the car through a racetrack sized space or maybe a 60% sized racetrack and move it around in this space and have like a global wind. Don't, don't, it's coming though. Why don't it's we coming. design a giant 60% scale model scale electrics? All, all, all of the trouble, um, but like all the things you could solve, you could basically do this, have a, a virtual simulator, virtual wind tunnel, and you get a 60% person to go drive a 60% car around. You yeah. just could hit him with the shrink ray. I'm not a 60, I'm 160% of a person. I'm not 60% of a person. Uh, uh, Yuki boys Sinoda's unite. The, Yuki is the uh, new wind tunnel simulator driver. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, no, he'll do. He'll do. But good lad, good lad. But, um, um, yeah, that was Friday, really, to be honest. Let's 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 not spend too much time on that. But what about Saturday? And this this was another qualifying. Let's specifically, start with qualifying because free practice three is also dead to me. But yeah, I did some notes for qualifying, and my first one <sighs> is track evolution goes brr. And and as an extension of that comment, which is something I love, track evolution and weird, changeable, damp-ish conditions go brr. Like we've had what four mixed damp qualifying sessions in a row, maybe some intermediate running, maybe damp track, maybe cold track. We had uh, Australia was cold track and qualifying as well. And when we have this stuff, the teams who are very good at understanding their tires and understanding the preparation needed to get the tires working will rise to the top. And if you have anything like a compromised outlap or traffic on your outlap, you, might, you, you could be pretty much boned. And we'll come back to that point because it's a very interesting point. So what's what's the next Spoiler thing on that? Alert is Checo. Yeah. So uh, talk so, talk, yeah, talk sorry, about that. Actually, no, we don't need to come back to it later because it was fucking Q1, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, exactly. So fine. We got, Perez delivered Rip. another stinker. Um, and obviously he got absolutely demolished about this on the internet. Uh, however, I, I, I'm coming to his defense a little bit. And this is what we'll talk about now. I think he was stifled a little bit here, not necessarily by the team, because they weren't to know, but by sitting at the end of the pit lane for so long on his tires, just basically fucking turned them stone cold. And it was like, yeah, unlucky. You got to do one push lap on these stone cold tires. You got to somehow mm. get them into the window and nail your lap. I think that's, uh, and I think we're starting to highlight one of the things that Checo's struggling with, and it's tire uh, prep. adaptability and tire prep. And and that, that and I think the team in general. I don't think this is something that's specific to Max's side of the garage. I think the team in general are usually pretty good at getting tires working consistently. But when it's not this, this when it's not this dry, you know, classic Q1, Q2, Q3 session where the track conditions are just like slowly ramping up, Checo has been struggling in those conditions. And I'm probably missing shitloads of context, but 
I, I'm, well, I'm... another little bit of context or, or something to Ooh. throw in there as well is don't forget we had new construction of tires for this event as well. Which you know, I, I know, I know. Pirelli like to say in their press release, "Oh, nothing, nothing's going to change. It's just a side wall strengthening bollocks. You can't change a single thing of these wheels. This is we're talking about a sport that is mm-hmm. down to the hundredths of a second. Whatever you change on a tire is going to change its performance window and how it operates." Now, I will counter that at agreeing with you and disagreeing with you at the same time. And the the important bit is the magnitude of these changes and the magnitude by which teams can predict a given construction and compounds performance over the course of a season, how well that team can predict that, you know, how, how much time it takes them to learn and their, how, their ability to learn versus if you change something subtle. I have a funny feeling after, I have a funny feeling that if you didn't tell any of the teams that they changed anything, none of them would have noticed or very few of them would have noticed because the variability in conditions and everything else week to week varies more than the significance of that change. I'm not, that's not a fact. I'm just saying it's a hunch. And I've seen that in the past with the exception of what 2014, 15, when it was like steel belt tires and Silverstone exploding and they went back to Kevlar reinforced rather than steel. That was a huge difference because that was a fundamental construction change. I don't remember the exact details of that. So don't quote me, but this kind of stuff where they're like, I will just add a little bit more here. it's very possible that teams would not have even noticed that was a difference. They would have chalked it up to variability. Yeah. Meant well, to event. I mean, you got years of race engineering experience and sim experience. Uh, so in regards to your opinion, I think you can go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Along with the UK government, Sky Sports and all those guys, right? Fuck no, them I think, all. Fuck so them it's, all. It's, it's one of those things like the, the magnitude and the sensitivity are super important things. And we, we, a lot of stuff gets lost in the noise. And, I, and there's, I can almost guarantee you in the past, there have been times when Pirelli changed something and nobody knew about it. Maybe it was a manufacturing uh, technique or something slightly changed. Illegal Pirelli testing this week yeah. on the fraud files. Yeah, oh my God, I'm not going to do that yet because we, we, <laughs> we got time crunch. But you know, this, this is, this is pra- the practical aspect of race engineering. And would they do anything malicious like that? No, absolutely. But like, um, imagine this, this batch of tires was made in January and that, t- that set of tires that you're using you know, before shutdown, they're, they're what, seven, eight months old now, six months old, whereas the tires you're using for the rest of the season, they were made in, in August. So, you know, even stuff like that, the age and everything else, it, how much, I'm, I'm not a tire expert, but anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to stop on that because that, um, well, all that Perez. serious tire talk and Perez and shit housing, um, Max decided that <laughs> Max decided to just fucking drive into the pit wall. And, uh, incredibly, that wasn't the most embarrassing thing that happened to Red Bull in qualifying. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's like, I've got a little bit too much understeer leaving the pit box. <laughs> Bosh, straight into the wall. Yeah. Silverstone is a pretty big pit lane as well. But uh, those um, walls just come out of nowhere, mate. I don't know. I think he's just fucking getting bored now and just doing it for a laugh. He's just doing it yeah. on purpose. Well, here's the thing. I was streaming F1 Man. I was streaming a pre-release. Um, Frontier invited me to come stream from their booth at TwitchCon. And I'm streaming... My playthrough of the Silverstone Grand Prix is Williams to redeem after I fucked us in that race. And like everybody in the chat's blowing up, just like, oh my God, Max in the wall. So I'm, I'm sitting here streaming F1 23 from the, the 
the Frontier booth in TwitchCon in Paris. And I've got my phone up right here. I'm like, yeah, so anyway, Alex's uh, strategy will stop now. I'm like, what the fuck? It was like, God, I can't do this. You guys are too much. Uh, it was easier than banning and timing all of you guys out for distracting me, but it was a great time. And I um, actually, we'll be doing a little, uh, little F1 manager stream this week on stream probably tomorrow so by the time you hear this check out twitch.tv front slash break hashtag ad but hashtag also freaking sweet game um it's good it's genuinely good but but anyway i got my hands on it at the williams event and we did our we did our two player uh trying to do williams strategy and uh we completely fucked it i think we had one dnf and uh a last place or something for the other one so yeah uh don't hire us for strategies Mate, all right, just, just just before we get into the rest of qualifying, uh, in my F1 manager qualifying with Williams, uh, it was a mixed wet-dry session, and it was a little bit more variable than the session we had in real life that weekend. Uh, well done, Frontier, for that save. That was a really good one, and it was super fun. But uh, I got Alex Albon P2 in the Willys, very much, very similar to what happened in, was it Canada? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So, yeah. you know, I did that. And then the, the race was fantastic. Um, I was on different strategies for Alex and Logan. And it was to the point where we said, you know, it was alternate strategies, let the other car through. Alex was on the alternate strategy. And I told Logan to not, atta- uh, not to def- let his teammate through, basically. Guess what he did? He took him out in turn five. Beautiful. So uh, I DNF'd both cars because they took each other out. Yeah, so basically nobody hire me and Blake. I, honestly, mate, I did. I, I'm gonna toot my own horn. I did really, really good in that. But I had to. Um, I had to have a word with Alex and Logan after that. Mostly Logan. I was like, "Listen here, Swamp Son. Listen, Swamp Buddy. You need to go real fast, and you need to go real left, son. Yeah, he went way too left, straight into Alex. Son of a bitch. Oh, that's um, the boss. That's the boss of Daytona, isn't it? Real fast. I think no, I saw fast. it somewhere on YouTube, and I thought that's brilliant. I love that. Um, that's us one day. Hopefully, uh, Valtteri Bottas uh, decided to, you know, he didn't want to miss out on the fun, um, so he decided to run out of fuel, um, which is something that you're quite familiar with. Oh, let me tell you about running out of fuel. It's a really uncomfortable feeling, and race fuel, like running qualifying fuel on a Formula One car, is awesome. Here's 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 what happens. You need. 0.7 kilos or one liter of fuel to sample at the end. And they basically, they know your fuel stash. 
and they say, right, we'll take a sample for control samples so we can, that's in the archives. We'll take a sample of your fuel and compare it to what we know your fuel should be. And if it's different, you're in trouble. That's why you need one liter, half a liter for each of those. Now, mass or weight is everything in an F1 car. Um, so you need to make sure you use as, you're using all the fuel up in your tank. You're not leaving extra fuel wasted in the tank. And what you will do is you will push quite a lot. So as a reference, when I was at Force India doing race fuel, uh, we needed 0.7 kilos in the car for a sample. And our goal was to finish qualifying with 300 grams of margin or something. So uh, that's about, if you can see on this stream, if you're on YouTube, it's about that cup full of fuel. That's how much sample or how much margin you needed. Um, I got that amount a lot. And you're, you have to measure your outlaps, your time lapse, and your in-lapse. And you have to adjust for that. And there's other stuff that can happen, like your fuel bowser, the fuel delivery system in the garage. Sometimes it says, hey, mate, uh, I was 300 grams short. So you tell your driver, it's like, listen, mate, you've got to save fuel on your outlap. I know you've got to prep your tires, but you're going to get fucked. So save fuel on your outlap. And on, after you cross the line, lift out of it, roll it, coast it as much as you can. Do not burn fuel. Uh, and something went wrong there somewhere along that line with Bottas. So he got done for uh, not being able to provide a fuel sample and there were no mitigating circumstances. And that's happened to Sebastian Vettel in Baku uh, years ago as well. I believe we lost that podium as a result of the Hungary. fuel sample. Hungary, yeah. Yeah, Hungary. Well, I don't know. There's a funny story about that, but I'm not sure if I'm allowed to actually tell it publicly. I wouldn't, but no. we'll, we'll chat after this. But yeah, um, but, so that's race fuel management is a hell of a drug. And it's honestly genuinely one of those motorsport things. It gets me excited, man. Heart pumping. You're coming, the car's coming into the pit lane and you have what's called the collector level sensor. And if you're running down into the collector, which is the last bit, of, all the fuel's pumped out of the tank into a collector. And that collector is a volume of fuel so that it consistently delivers fuel to the engine. There's a level sensor in that. So once the car's in the pit lane, you should see this level sensor on your data screen just running down. And you're like, yes, yes, yes. And there's there have been opportunities in, in Q2 where I had used way too much fuel like we were deep into the collector it's like if they will barely pull a sample out of this if they have to uh, and then you correct it for the final run but it's a rush so you're measuring that and then you're reacting as soon as the car's in the pit lane you guess how much they're going to use by the time they get in the pit lane but to the time they pull in the box and stop the car add that amount and then give the fuel man a figure for the next run it's a rush Ugh, inject it to me yeah, because if you fuck up, you get fucked, and you ruin the whole team's day. And if you save 100 grams of fuel, you save three thousandths of a second. Yeah, my favorite part about <laughs> all this is the super technical, highly, you know, technology-driven F1 and uh, race engineers and the fuel bowser man are still communicating with post-it notes. So I used to do that at Force India, writing it, writing it down yeah. on a little note, saying, "Here you go. Here's what you need." R Rick would come over to me with a, ta a pad, and I'd just write it down on the pad. Yep. It's dope, but uh, let's, 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 what do we got? Sorry, yeah, so that was Q1. I think, did Magnuson also not? I think Magnuson retired or pulled over because he had an electronics issue, I think. I can't remember, I didn't write Some, that down. Something happened. They're having a tough time, man. Um, I feel but good. we lost Magnuson, DeFries, Joe, Sonoda, and Perez. Uh, Q2, I don't really think anything happened in Q2. Um, we lost Hulkenberg, Stroll, Ocon, Sergeant, Bottas. Um, yeah, well done, Sergeant, though, for getting where he did. Um, Q3, McLaren are cooking. Mate, it's real. Um, Norris had the upgrades the other week. They both got the upgrades this week. This is the real deal, man. This is, this is genuinely a, uh, a recovery story. 
genuinely. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about it now? Yeah. Why not? No, let's let's, All let's, right, let's we'll save this bit for the race. Okay. Uh, well, we can we can we can talk about the qualifying performance in a second because I do have a bit for that. So we'll come back right. to that. McLaren are definitely cooking. Yeah, uh, I also fully enjoyed listening to the crowd going absolutely mental when Norris took pole for about a whole twenty seconds uh, before Max ruined everything as he always does. Um, Alvin P eight, come on, Alvin. Go on, lad. I'm just I just love seeing Alex win. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just I just love seeing him doing well. Honestly, he's, he's a dude. Sorry, I let's talk about... on mute. Then that was professional. <laughs> let's let's talk about the qualifying performance, though. Right, I think so. Me. The, one of the most exciting things about qualifying for the last couple of races is that it's been those mixed sessions. Like we said before, team awareness, preparation, traffic management, tire understanding, and driver adaptability are all key. If it was just a classic dry session with a little bit of track evolution. Most of the drivers in this series will do very well at that because they're good at it. But throw in some fucking chaos and see who cracks. And we're seeing a couple cracks form. Uh, this weekend, Red Bull set the reference as usual. And here's the interesting thing. This, and this is not me. I take no joy. I would, I would much prefer Mercedes were literally in a four-way battle for the win and the points. And, and I would much prefer that Max wasn't winning the Constructors' Championship on his own. I would much prefer that. Let's, let's, let's be realistic. Mercedes' best performance this season was in qualifying in Australia with that weird, weird cold track, weird prep, and they did a very good job. They're about 0.4% off of pole. But right now, they started the season at about 0.6 off pole. They're at a 0.5 off pole, and they've had some shockers and some winners, and they haven't been within 0.5% since Monaco. They've been, like, worse performance than that. So... Mercedes are clearly not finding this. Now, if you look at this trend in terms of gap to pole through all the qualifying sessions, Spain, um, McLaren, 0.75% off pole. Canada, wet session again, crazy session. Their fastest lap was about 0 0.8, 0.78 off of pole. And then, boom, Austria, Lando, 0.4% off of pole. Uh, Great Britain, Silverstone, 0.35 off of pole. Over a period of several events, McLaren have clearly been, they started the season, average 1.5% off of pole. And now they're literally, if Ferrari had got their shit together, Ferrari would have been close, but they weren't quick here. And McLaren looked like they're on the struggle bus. So it's wild. For the McLaren's third weekend in a row, they're improving their gap. And I think Red Bull performed well. So that was a, a really strong benchmark that they've been all season. All the other teams, like the other fast teams gaps. And here's the other thing. Ferrari have had their first, their fourth worst qualifying of the season, despite the fact it's about 0.5% off pole. And uh, Aston Martin are becoming anonymous Martin. Mate, they've, they've gone yeah, from Miami. So they started the season around half a percent off, and then Miami and Monaco, they were within 0.3. And then since Monaco, since Spain, 1% off, 1.3% off, 0.9% uh, off, and then in, in Silverstone, 1.1% off. And they're not quick in the race anymore. No. For the last couple of events, so no. But this is this is a problem, right? You can have a no, no, this is no, not a dig at Aston Martin. No, because they've, they've done they've they've done a huge job over the season to find that much performance. Yeah, but this is where you sort out sort of the big teams from the small teams, as it were. Where can you continue that momentum throughout the season and continue it with your updates and your developments and things like that? 
And we've seen it plenty of times in the past where a team will come out of a good car, like Haas, some years they've had a pretty quick car, but then they just fade off as the season goes on because they can't build on that and the developments. So I think that's kind of what's happening to Aston at the minute. I thought you were going to say it's because Haas like start off strong and then they can't put their wheel nuts on their car in Australia. Yeah, well, there is that too. Um, that sucks, by the way. I hate seeing that. But yeah, it, it, it is one of those things. And, and it potentially, I mean, when was when was Aston Martin's upgrade package? Like, did they, have they gone down a wrong path? Because let's, let's put this to be clear. Everybody's bringing upgrades all the time. So the reference is continually changing. The conditions are continually changing. Tracks may or may not suit another car. But if you go event to event, you see trends like this those are usually meaningful and if you look at the back of the field these guys are absolutely fucking chaos alpha tauri Haas, alfa romeo and yeah those guys random chaos random number generator i have no idea how they're going to perform on any weekend it's unpredictable um but again like williams seemingly making some strides as well in terms of their average gap to pull if you even if you ignore canada but even spain was terrible for them so they're doing okay. I'd say Williams is doing average and they're getting a little bit more out of the car. But yep. uh, pole is set by Verstappen by just about just over two-tenths to Lando. Piastri P3. Yeah, it's Wild. a solid performance out in the McLaren boys. Uh, Leclerc was four-tenths off. Signs just behind him. Just behind him, 12,000s. But yeah, Mercedes behind that. <laughs> Interesting. Very interesting. Mm. Um, let's talk about the race, shall we? Is it race time? Sure. And I'm, I'm so fucking happy. Honestly, I've said it. I've talked to Grand Poopair about it. I'm so happy the McLaren is getting good now and Lando's going well. Because I think he's one of those drivers. If, we, if, we, if he spent his entire Formula 1 career driving a car which was not competitive, it would be a shame. So I hope they can continue that, and I hope to see McLaren back up to the front, and I hope to see Mercedes back up to the front because we've got a lot of excellent drivers. If they're in good machines, we'd be having one of the best seasons ever. Yeah. The, the talent in this grid is deep. Yeah, if you just exclude Max from it, you'd be on yeah, to a classic. Um, fuck you, Max. But hey, look, Max is doing well. Good for him, you know. Can't punish yeah. him because he's winning. Nope. Uh, so yes, race start. Um, Max, did, I think was it not? Did they not say post race that Max basically let his clutch out too early, which fluffed his start up? Um, so he bogged it. Yeah, and that yep. resulted in Lando jumping into the lead, which yet again the Silverstone crowd went absolutely <sighs> wild for. Oh, I love that the energy. Yeah, oh yeah, the energy yeah. was the energy was wild. So many British drivers on on the grid right now, and every time. Um, I was I was I was loving it. Piastri even had a look after Max's terrible start. He was yeah. alongside and he's like, go on, lad. Um, but they didn't do anything rash there. And it was uh yeah. Hamilton drops back a stop, spot at I think it's turn three, goes a little bit deep, yep. a little bit wide. Comes That's right. He he collects that. Uh Perez drops back at the start and he's being super cautious. And I was looking at Perez's uh race position chart. He he overtakes one car every fourth lap for most of the race. And realistically for a recovery drive like that i mean perez starting from was it 15th or back no, i was for the, it was 14th because baltas got disqualified i believe something like that if you're if you're in a red bull you need to you need to be on the podium yeah minimum we, we, we saw max win the race from you know getting knocked out like that if you're in that car 
you, you need to be super calculated, super aggressive, and not make any fucking mistakes. But it was it was a it was a it was an okay recovery drive, I think. But we don't want to we don't want to have that conversation about recovery drives. We want to have a fucking one too. Yeah. If you're if you're Red Bull, we it. mean if you're Red Bull, you don't need to have two guys that are going to win the race. You can't have two guys win the race. You need a one and a two. And realistically, it's a lot more interesting if you have a one and a two, which are just clear what they are. They don't trip over each other that much. Yep. Uh, so, where are we? Yeah, Max pretty much shoots off into the distance after lap five when he gets the overtake done. Uh, McLaren, though, the pace seemed... Uh, one of was- my concerns was it's all good and well being quick and qualifying, but can you translate that into race pace? And that has been their kind of thing. It's like, oh, they had a good qualifying result, and they just sh- sh- end up anonymous or embarrassing in the race but this was not that race no it was you know they had genuine pace i think uh what were they similar to mercedes if not a little bit quicker i think so because we, we saw like if you get a if if you're if you have track position over a car that's the same pace what tends to happen is you lose time defending and the people attacking burn up their tires mercedes did not have enough pace Oh, oh my god mercedes did not have a pay, enough pace to overtake them which means they're probably similar ish who do we got on the stream if you're watching this on video or youtube we got a pupper yeah peanut has just arrived hello peanut he's handsome he's a little shit bag oh at least he didn't shit all over your house yesterday no no but he's just jumped the child gate to get in here so oh well he's cute he can stay for a bit can he yeah he's all right good so um yeah i mean their, their pace is good the pace was super good. Let's let's talk about this one. What was your all right? So we all know that Magnuson um, Ferrari installed the external combustion engine on his car this weekend on Magnuson's Haas. Uh, it was a fireball on the exit of turn six on the inside of the track, just parked there. Or sorry, exit of exit of five. What did you think? Straight when it where he pulled over. I don't use straight or corner names. I only use corner oh, yeah, numbers. I forgot about that. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, but um, what did you think when the McLaren pit off of their mediums onto hards at that point? Uh, were you, you were you, everybody was on Twitter, and I'm like, I'm thinking the same thing because I was a little bit behind watching it on the train. But it's yeah, what lap is it? It's lap 34. Yeah, and they so stick Lando on hards instead of softs. And after we've got seeing how long George took his softs for in the opening, King George. Yeah, I yeah. think, what was it, like 29 laps or something insane? And they were already used at the start of the race. Yeah, I mean, so they, like 32 they were 31. Oh. Yeah, they were 31, 32 lap old tires. Easy. Yeah, no, I was, I was like, what are you doing? Softs is surely the answer here. Yep. So here's, here's what I thought about that. And I, I looked back at it. So Piastri lost out. Piastri ends up finishing fourth um, behind Lewis because Piastri pits just before the safety car. And the, the, the amount of time that you save pitting under safety car is huge. So he loses out. But he had got one lap in on that hard tire because at that point, uh, Piastri pit on lap 30. So he had 23 laps to go. They probably saw George doing that on the softs. Like, we're not sure. Because George was just as quick as the McLarens were at that point. Very similar pace to Lewis. Very similar pace um, to, to the, the McLarens. Piastri does a really good first lap on that hard tire. And they said, you know what? Why don't we fit this new hard tire for Lando instead of using a used soft? Because we're not sure how it's going to go. We're not that confident that we'll get the same result as um, Russell does. For example, other laps, Sunoda and DeVries 
were the only other guys to start on a soft except for Akon, who retired after nine laps. So their confidence in that at that point, they're like, hmm, okay. And they saw that they saw that uh, Piastri could go well in the hard. They're like, you know what? This is the safe option. Uh, and it turned out okay in the end. It turned out very well. Uh, Lewis jumps Russell, and Lewis can't overtake Norris. And Lewis is on a new soft, so yeah, that's that's as soon as I saw Lewis behind Norris on the soft, I thought that's it, it's over. It's done. It's done on the restart. He's gonna get goosed yeah. after two corners. And there yeah, was, was, was a couple was of moments the where he, as well. There was a couple of moments where he came close, but yeah. No, once the tires the hard tires on Lando's car took a few laps to sort of bed in and get up to temperature, that was it. And I was like, Wow, the mad lad's gonna do it. Yeah, and even Piastri started to close up to Hamilton towards the end of the race as well. But it, it looks like people that fit the soft tie at the end of the race that were going ballistic on it, it did not have the same performance level that Russell saw when he was managing it. You know, his, his, Russell's lap times were solid. They were consistent. But everybody went ballistic at the end yeah. of the race. Everybody that was on a, a, a tear, like Max, Max got into a little bit of dag, and I think as soon as he had a gap, he backed off because he knew Norris was defending. And it was like, that's ah, fine. But yeah. Yeah, once, you know, after a handful of laps of Lewis pushing, chasing Lando, you saw his tyres. Oh, do you mind, oh, wrong sir? Button. I, I meant to hit my mute button. Can you repeat that, please? Uh, Lewis's soft tyres, after a few laps, you can see this all went off and he just wasn't able to, to get it done. Um, yeah. And I was very surprised. I thought when I saw the hards go on, I thought, oh, fucking McLaren have thrown this away. Yeah, but that's that's the kind of thing, like when you see people do that kind of stuff, and they get it right, and it's like they knew something we didn't. I love it. I love it. That yeah. was super cool. Yeah, it was um, very cool. And someone in the chat saying that the McLaren sim, sim, the McLaren race sim in free practice on the hard tires was apparently very competitive. So perhaps maybe they knew. Well, they must have known because that's why me and you are sitting here doing a podcast and not sitting on a strategy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So let's let's um, the safety car. Um, basically anybody that stopped before the safety car got screwed and especially, so that is Piastri, that is Russell. Russell was not happy about that, but that's what happens when the safety car comes out and people are pushing it, trying to do a one stop later, you're going to get screwed. You're going to lose track position to those people. Uh, Ferrari, let's talk about Ferrari. So Leclerc, Leclerc pit on lap 19 off of a medium onto a hard. So he was like, let me do something different. I'm going to get out of this. I've got, I'm under pressure from Russell. I can't, I don't have any room to push. Russell's as fast or faster than me. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do something different. I'm a pit now. And he did, he did effectively undercut Russell because by the time Russell pits, Russell comes out just behind him and then he overtakes him with ease. Mercedes clear of Ferrari this weekend. Uh, so they did not have the pace. And that you say they made terrible strategy calls. They could not have predicted the safety car A. Uh, but yeah, Signs also pits before the safety car as he's under pressure from Hamilton. Um, and he does the exact same thing. He comes straight through Alonso and then safety car, boom. So yeah, it sucks. They converted what a 3 4 into a nine, or 4 5 into a 9 10, basically. And they were realistically the fourth fastest team on the track this weekend. Um, so yeah. Mercedes, or anything, anything you want to say on the Ferrari? Uh, Signs got dumped on after the safety car restart. He goes from P8 down to P10 on the safety car restart. So, yikes. I, I think by now everyone knows I'm quite harsh on Ferrari. 
Um, I don't do it for fun, you know, but I think this was quite embarrassing for them um, to get a 9 and a 10 to come away from Silverstone qualifying, what, like, what did they say, 4th and 5th? And you've come away yeah. with three points. And arguably, you could say the 10th was under threat. So they couldn't, they may have come away with only getting a single point or, or whatever, yeah. a single point yeah. scoring car. I don't know. It's just, I didn't, I don't understand what happened to Ferrari in the race. They just, went well, they, nowhere. they've gone, they've, the Ferrari had two problems. One, they were the fourth fastest car. And two, they, did not have any cover for a late safety car. If there was a late safety car, definitively they were fucked. Um, and it didn't, you know, the, you can't predict those. So you can't bank on those things, but they were trying to do their best race, which was making sure they could finish as the fourth fastest car. That was all they had on the table. They weren't going to win this race. They weren't going to be on the podium at all. There was no way that was happening. So it's a bit of a bummer for them, for sure. Why? Uh, what about Mercedes? It's really tough to say, man. Aston disappear, McLaren are coming up to the front. And we talked about the performances in qualifying, not exciting at all. Just not. So I'm going to. Am I going to do this? Yes, I'm going to do this. Right. Send it. I'll, pre, send I'll it. preface this. And I'll say this is not slander or anything, right? So chill out with your keyboards in the comments. If McLaren can take their car, which was dog shit at the start of the season, and now have two strong races under their belts. What is Mercedes' excuse for flailing around and sort of up and down like a roller coaster? Whereas uh, this is early days, right? If McLaren come through sure. and the next few races for McLaren are also strong, questions have got to be asked within Ferrari and Mercedes and Aston Martin, of, of what are they doing? Like, what, how has McLaren done this? Mate, 100%. Like, and, and the questions you have to ask, have Mercedes and Ferrari locked in philosophies into the design, which are too expensive to change inside of the cost cap? Or are they being arrogant with certain philosophical decisions about how they approach designing the car? Or have other teams just started to find some stuff that they haven't yet to learn? And I find that difficult. Or the, th the third question is, maybe Mercedes is not well-structured to deal with the cost cap era in terms of their development efficiency and their information throughput. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not hedging, I'm not hedging any of those, you know, bets on any of those things. I'm just saying those are some things that would be very interesting uh, to be a fly on the wall and accumulate enough information to make an assessment on that because those are three very real possibilities. Yeah. So... I think, I think that's, in terms of their race, we talked about Russell. Um, Leclerc undercuts them, but <laughs> Russell's like, nah, I'm just going to overtake you. Sorry, dork. Um, yeah. That, well well done, correct? George Russell. I like to, you know, give you some grief about your terrorism tour and things like that. But uh, no, you wrote an instant on your softs. I'll give you a big toot toot good, for that. A, Very impressive. It's a good good bold drive from them and it was calculated they're not going to let george just do some stupid ass shit they're like if you think you can make it work here's your targets here's what we need to hit to make this work and they did it so hats off to them um hamilton 
clean, super clean race with the exception of the start, which is fine. Had a little bobble at the start and then uh, drove it. He got he got the safety car this time in his favor and goes home to take the podium at his home race. Two British drivers on the podium. Pretty dope. I believe as well, someone will correct me. I think it's like Hamilton's 14th Silverstone podium or something mental like that. Mad. Mad. Beast. That podium... These podiums lately have been really exciting because you've got some legends and future legends up on those steps. And I, I feel like the sport is in a better place. We're happier and we're talking about the good things in the race. And I don't even want to talk about Martin Brundle on the grid. Like I, I'm going to mention that. And if you've seen all the shit fight about that, I don't want to talk about it. I don't, I don't care. Me neither. Good. I'm, that's all we're going to say about it. So real, just real quick, I'm going to plug my uh, buy me a coffee, actually. So if you, if you like, like the analytical deep dives, I actually do a written report, like an engineering performance summary report, every qualifying and every race for every Grand Prix. And it's on buymeacoffee.com front slash break. So if that's something that's interested, like the analytical deep dives, uh, do be sure to check that stuff out because I go into a lot more detail. And I love sharing that with you guys. I love having those technical conversations with you, um, you guys in the, in the stream yeah, and uh, you guys on the podcast and Dan. But um, Let him fucking yeah. bore you with it instead of me. Yeah. So let's let's quickly talk about our race podium predictions. You did you did you done well. Well, yeah, right. I smashed it. You I'm, well. I'm claiming I smashed it. Right? Go on, lad. I put for my predictions, I put Verstappen, Perez, Norris. Good good lad. And I love the, the belief. Seeing McLaren on the rise up, saying, you know what? We're gonna do it. I went really boring and I did Verstappen, Perez, Leclerc, and I could not have been more wrong. I mean, to be fair, you the Perez was, we were yeah, way wrong with Perez, we're putting, fine. We're putting uh, too much faith into Perez at the minute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, But my bold um, Norris prediction came out well as we got Verstappen, Norris, and Hamilton. Yeah. So why don't we quickly, um, I need to shoot in like 10 minutes. I've, I've got myself 10 more minutes, but I All think- right, Let's, let's we, jet through it. We're gonna we're gonna rip through fraud watch. So I'm not gonna play the bumper. So fraud watch is where we put somebody oh, on. I'm not even gonna play the fucking oh, bumper. Fraud watch. Fraud watch. Fraud watch. Right, bang. Ferrari. I'm in. Yeah. All right, you're in for you Ferrari. Fraud watch is by now. It's where we slate some of the really badly at the weekend. <laughs> bang, Ferrari. What are you doing? I I feel really bad to do this because I. And I think he's a super nice guy, but like I think Perez is on it for me this week. He's got to step up. He's got the best car on the grid. He needs to get his head in the game for qualifying. Um, he's got a really awesome group of guys and gals around him, helping him to get the most out of it. And I feel like, I, I don't know for a fact, but I feel like the ball's in his court on this one, and he needs to figure out what he needs to do to get the most out of the car in qualifying so he does not have to do these recovery drives in the race. Because when he does those recovery drives in the race, he does them well but it's not like he's able to sail back onto the podium every time. So yeah. And, and that's <laughs> no. And he did ask me when I saw him in a, at the Red Bull show and he's like, Hey, do you have a real job yet? You fucking joker. And this is not, I, I like Jekko a lot and I just hope that he can find that because yep, this, I is, like this, too. Is, this is, this is cool to pick it up. And that's easy, easy for us to say some stupid ass losers sitting on our asses on a podcast, talking shit with no impact. Um, so fair enough. But why don't we Hit it. quickly move on to... Oh, you did it. Who's a good boy? I am. I'm a good boy. This is, this is the opposite of that. This is where we put some, uh, put some love on somebody. 
again, who we think might not be getting enough of it. So give it, give it to me. Yeah. Give so me. in Austria, I gave it to McLaren and listen, Silverstone, I'm giving it to McLaren again, two in a row. Mm. The, the rise in of McLaren. I'm here for it. We're here. I, I was going to go with Albon because I'm just super impressed by what he's doing with that car and qualifying and the race. But I, I feel like Lando getting that home podium, great qualifying, great race, calculated, knew when to take risks, knew when to not take risks. Good line. Good line. Yeah. I'm, I'm really into that. Um, do you, do, I need to call it very shortly. Do you want to give your very short version of your random fandom? Yeah, for, so uh, for my random fandom, I had Williams uh, quick on Friday as they were evaluating some new items, new front wing and a rear wing on Logan's car. Interestingly, did not use the rear wing in the end, I found out. Uh, oh. quali- qualifying went well for Albon. Um, Sergeant had a little bit more of a messy qualifying as he had two lap times deleted in Q2 and ran out of soft tyres, so 14th was the best he could achieve. We can't be doing that. Uh, P8 for Albon was his third successive Q3 appearance. Go on, uh, start of the race was tricky due to the changeable conditions and wind. Uh, team had concerns over de- degradation appearing high during the first stint. Actually, the tyres held up better than expected, so one stop using the soft and medium tyres was possible. Logan got unlucky with a safety car, uh, came out one lap after he pitted, but he still managed to finish 11th. Uh, but the safety car helped Alvin when it came to his stop, and soft tyre soft tire choice helped him pass signs to finish P8. Williams' best result in a home race since 2015. Uh, third score of the season now um, has moved Williams up to seventh in the Constructors' Championship ahead of Haas, Alpha, Romeo, and Alpha Tauri. Williams, you get yourself a big... Well done. Um, so, that's that was a very good report card. I'm, I'm delighted for them. I think, I think Logan... I think he's got some some development improvement to do, but I don't think it's terrible. Um, I've got Alpha Tauri. They get a fucking F. Seriously. Like I'm, I'm so frustrated oh, that they're not competitive because their sister team is Red Bull racing. They should be buying all of the parts they can buy from Red Bull using all that extra resource to figure out how they need to optimize the aerodynamics and make that package work best for them. Uh, but they got knocked out both in Q1 and they finished the race P16 and P17. Um, They've, we talked at length about DeVries, but it's not like Tsunoda did a fucking fantastic stinker this weekend either. So I'm, I'm frustrated and disappointed, and I, I've got quite a few friends that work there, and I wish it was going better for them. That's, that's all I've got to say on the topic. Yep, let's see how it works out of them. Now they got Danny Rick. Yeah, let's see. And I, and I, I hope it's a positive experience because I hate seeing that it's like these uh, knee-jerk, you know, like, oh, this isn't working out. Let's just get rid of them. But anyway... Um, I've got a jet, ladies and gentlemen, so uh, we'll see you maybe next week, maybe the week after. Maybe we'll take a little break or maybe we'll get a guest on. I've got a couple of very, I think, people that you guys would like to hear from. And I think Dan does, too. So we're going to we're going to start getting into. Engine breaking with guests, I think that'll be super good, and I think that will make some more varied content that you guys are going to enjoy. All right. Uh, tomorrow, we've got a little uh, F1 manager stream over on the Twitch, so I'll see you guys over there. Anything going on with you, Dan? No, fuck all. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. No. <laughs> Send it, mate. All right. Got to love you and leave you. Um, local butchers, support them. I've just got some a chicken from my local butcher as well. I'm going to smoke it tonight. I'm going to brine it tonight, smoke it tomorrow. Uh, you guys, look after yourselves. Yeah. Fuck off. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.